Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Hassle-Free RE Podcast. It's been a little bit since we've done a recording, but uh, I'm your host, Dave Menapace, joined here with my co-host, Anson Roberts. Anson, how's it going, man? I'm doing well, brother. Doing well. Just here in uh, some of the first consistent days of cooler weather in Colorado, feeling winter settling in, but uh, yeah, yeah everything, everything's going well. How are you? Love it. Same. Yeah. It's, it's been an interesting year. You know, the portfolio is sort of slowly growing. It's always sort of molding into what we're hoping it'll be and, and want it to become, which is always great. Um, it's always interesting, you know, because we have a beach markets, we have winter markets in our portfolio and as one sort of shuts down, the other one starts to ramp up and you do get this nice little quiet period around Thanksgiving into early December. Uh, and then it's just, it's kind of on again. So, um, so it's been really, really interesting. And before we introduce our guest, I'd love to kind of hear just on your end, what's this winter so far looking like compared to maybe if you remember back to this time last year, what are you seeing in bookings yeah. and how's, have the booking patterns adjusted this year? Yeah, the, we're still seeing consistency in shorter booking windows. So people just not booking as far out generally. Yeah. Most of our more urban uh, and uh, suburban properties are staying booked. The interesting thing about our ski market properties is those are getting booked very last minute. And uh, overall, it's booking rates a little bit less than last year. Not a crazy drop, but it is down a little bit. Um, but the, yeah. And we're probably at 80% of what we were, were last year, but people are just booking less than a week in advance sometimes. So how, what are you seeing yeah. on your side? Same. It's nuts. It's a little stressful at times, um, but it's fine. Uh, you know, I think last year winter really started to book up well in advance, right? Like middle of the fall, um, just like summer was getting booked up eight or nine man months in advance. Um, so it's been really interesting. You know, we've definitely had to work and adjust the pricing a lot and make sure we're keeping our listing on the first page of Airbnb. I've found that the smaller properties, meaning the ones that sleep 10 people or less to be booking out to have a bigger lead time, which is kind of counterintuitive. You'd think more planning would go into you know, an opportunity where multiple families are renting a house. But I think because the price is so much greater on those bigger houses, especially over the weekends, I, I just think that groups are having a, a bit of a pause or not as many people can pony up to go on vacation like they were this time last year. People are just kind of keeping their money a little bit tighter. Um, so it's it's been an interesting observation. Like you said, definitely more last minute. I know on our bigger properties, we've been holding high nightly rates on the weekends, but similar to last year, but during the week, those prices are a lot more reduced as if it was a property that sleeps 10. And you can kind of get away with that because people aren't partying during the week. Generally, they're like, they're there to ski, get down to business, have fun and get out, you know, so- it's been interesting. It's been unique. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's almost like a overall reluctance to commitment in the market. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, a, a flood of bookings definitely came in around Thanksgiving and I'm starting to see a ramp up in bookings again. Uh, it's just been interesting. I'm really interested, you know, by the time we get to March and April and reflect on this ski season, I'm really interesting to, to see what it looks like. And I'm curious to see how some of the mountains and resorts adjust their ticket pricing compared to last year as well. Cause I'm sure some of that factors into this as all as well. Sure. Um, yeah, just kind of interesting nuance. Um, other than that, there doesn't seem to be any new big earth shattering news on the Airbnb front kind of feels like they, they cooled out for a little bit or <laughs> to close out yeah. the year. Yeah. Yeah. They made their, their statements and now it's settling in for sure. Yep. So, well, cool. Alrighty. Well, with that, our guest today is Shane O'Connor. So Shane is also a mastermind member in short-term rental secrets. He operates down in Florida. Uh, Kissimmee, Florida is sort of his big market, but he's really throughout Florida. And for those who don't know, a lot of vacation rentals for folks going to Disney in the Orlando area their vacation houses are located in Kissimmee. So what's cool is this guy's portfolio of property management and properties he owns is probably the coolest, sexiest portfolio I have like ever seen. <laughs> Every house that he manages, it feels like you're walking into Disney World and it's really freaking cool. So I'm really excited to have him on the on the show today with us. So with that, let's let him in. Welcome to the Hassle-Free RE Podcast, a real estate podcast where we bring you stories, education, and tips for investors and real estate enthusiasts. If you're interested in investing in real estate or just want to keep a pulse on what's happening in the market, then this podcast is for you. Thanks so much for listening and tuning in. If you enjoy our show, please make sure to subscribe and give us a five- Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Hassle-Free RE Podcast. Once again, I'm Dave Menapace, and I'm joined here with my co-host, Anson Roberts. And today we have Shane O'Connor. Shane, welcome to the show, brother. Thank you, Dave. Good to see you again, man. We cross paths nearly every morning now, but <laughs> we'll add a little more structure and formality to this one. Anson, yeah. you and I go way back in the mastermind, dude. So it's, yes, it's good sir. to see you guys rock and rolling <laughs> in the podcast world. That's right. right. That's right. So, um, so Shane, why don't you just give a really, really brief introduction, talk a little bit about your company, your role in it, and then let's just sort of pause and rewind to life before what you're doing now. Yeah, right on. Um, well, I guess if I had a, a formal title, I'd be CEO and founder of Vacation Alchemy. So we're, you know, short-term rental, Operator is the term I use. Really, it's, you know, we, we do co-hosting, right? Um, my role, <laughs> eventually, I'm, I'm, I wish I could narrow this down to like a sentence or two. I'm, I'm still kind of in a position where I wear six hats pretty much at all times. But we are a fully vertically integrated, you know, short-term rental operator. We're based in Central Florida. Uh, we have... 19 properties in Kissimmee, 
Um, one operating in Tampa, one operating in St. Pete, bringing our second online in Tampa with a couple more potentially in the works. Um, kind of how my business has grown is that for the most part, we've actually only taken over two or three existing properties. Um, I ended up getting my real estate license kind of early on because I, you know, it's hard to get somebody to like with a property to give a guy with absolutely zero track record, like, oh yeah, here you go. Right. Like you can get around it, but it's, it can be a challenge to, to pitch, so to speak. Um, but luckily, <clears throat> I mean, I had a line out the door of people, relationships I had in other arenas of life that I told them what I was doing about how, or what I was doing, how excited I was about it. And, you know, quite frankly, being a real estate agent and being a short-term rental operator are two completely separate endeavors to different areas of expertise. Anybody who tells you otherwise is probably trying to sell you something. So um, I ended up getting my license kind of as a, as an aside, really just to facilitate uh, the business. And so, you know, I will help you make the transaction, run all the due diligence, you know, kind of put the proper safeguards in place. It's like, I'll say the first landmine I help you not step on. Right. And then we do design, build out all the operations and hospitality afterwards. And, and that's really how we've grown. So as the market changes and, and price points, purchase prices have become a lot more challenging. You know, we're kind of pivoting more to, um, hey, look, let's find the people who have an underperforming property at a terrific interest rate. Um, but that's, that's, that's kind of what we look like today. And, and we're you know, obviously I'm looking to grow as much as I can in the central Florida market because it's it's been challenging this year, but the long-term horizon is still phenomenal. Totally, totally. So what was life like before short-term rentals? How'd you find the space? <laughs> You're an entrepreneur. Were you always one? Yeah, not, I mean, if I go, I guess way back, like sure, you know, as a, as a youngster, like cutting yards and lemonade stands and you know, kind of that stuff. But I think as I got older, I, I probably, you know, fit into the more traditional paradigm of what, you know, a lot of people are are taught, like go to school, go to a good school, get a good job, so on and so forth. Um, I was always pretty attracted to the military world. And uh, so I ended up getting admitted to the United States Naval Academy uh, I went and graduated in 2009, became a naval officer, um, and I had a really I, probably weird for any like veteran who looks back. I had a very like wildly varied career. Um, I started off in the more conventional side of things in the Navy, like on a ship, kind of what you'd think about. Uh, the back half of my career was a lot more exotic. I was in the desert a lot more. Uh, I kind of got more into the intelligence world. Um, even did some, some, what we call fire support. So like, if you've ever, um, if you've ever seen a dude calling an airstrike in a movie, so I would do that, except I would be calling back to a ship and it would be like calling in an artillery strike or maybe a tomahawk kind of something Very like that. So it's, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's pretty rad. Um, <laughs> when, when everything's, when everything's all rolling and then, yeah, like I said, by the end, it got, you know, even more specific. And I just, I started working in some pretty small circles in um, some of the, just the special operations world and and more intelligence. And uh, it was really good. I was enjoying what I was doing for sure. Um, but 
uh, you know, that kind of lifestyle, the type of work, there's a very high human cost to it. Um, I will mm -hmm. always say, you know, I mean, I, I think I've seen the the very, very best of humanity and also the very, very worst. Um, of course. And it can, you know, it can wear on you a little bit. And I was kind of at a point, you know, in my career as an officer where it was like, okay, I, I really need to decide like, hey, am I going to go all the way or, you know, now would be the better time to to exit. And so, you know, I was kind of interviewing for some things. Um, I was even talking to some of the, like the three letter agencies and I had already started doing some real estate kind of in between deployments. I had a couple rentals. I did a flip and- and were those yes. all in Florida or just different parts of the country or? No, none of them actually. So the flip project was actually in Virginia, which is where I was stationed at the time. The turnkeys were actually in Cook County in Chicago, which 10 years ago was not a bad place to have a rental property. Um, and then the government there absolutely lost his mind and it got worse and worse and worse uh, from a landlord's perspective. So- <laughs> And it was also probably my first dose of understanding that like traditional rental with a single family home, just the amount of cash required to the return that you get, like it is going to take me 50 Ever. years to turn this in. Yeah. To like what I actually want. Um, and so, you know, that was kind of like my first evolution in, in real estate. So again, I was at a point where I was evaluating my options. I was overseas, still doing some um, really just kind of security work. I was traveling around quite a bit. And uh, one day I was in, uh, it was actually Kuwait. And I had, it was the 4th of July. And we were you know, on a detail, just kind of supervising some stuff. And I was on this, you know, concrete metal pier, 4th of July, Kuwait, like the stoplights melt, like it's, it's high. And so I got back to the hotel we were staying at, you know, completely just dropped everything, cold shower, flopped down on the bed. And, I, you know, without going too hard into the TMI, but uh, it was basically like I felt like one of my testicles just hit the bed like it weighed 10 pounds. And you once you notice that, you're like, well, OK, Thumbs off. that's not normal. And I, to kind of truncate the whole thing, it, it turns out it was testicular cancer. And so that was a, that was a process. That was an ordeal. It was pretty yeah. intense. Um, certainly the most helpless I've ever felt. Um, yeah. What year was that? That was when I, when I figured it out, it was 2016. Okay. Um, About seven years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And so you know, I was eventually, for, I, I honestly, the most difficult part was for where I was and what I was doing. It took me like almost three weeks to get back to the States. And so, you know, just dealing with the stress of like an alien growing inside of you with nothing you could do. <laughs> and like, yeah. of course I wasn't working anymore really. So, cause they, you know, kind of took me out of the, out of the lineup there. So you got nothing to do, but really stew about it. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, certainly the military world, like you'll have your own mortality shoved in your face every now and then. Um, but this was kind of different, the, the level sure. of helplessness. And, um, so I think that had a pretty dramatic impact on like, you know, how finite life can be. There's only so much time and, 
you know, we've got one go around, like, let's make it count. Yep. And so in a way I, you know, I ended up getting medically separated. Um, you know, it was a long process, like two years. Uh, but luckily that kind of gave me the time and space. I, I was very fortunate, um, that, you know, in, in Naval Special Warfare, they have some really good like transition programs, far better than what you'd find in most of the regular military. Mm -hmm. And I was at least able to start the process of figuring out like, who the hell am I outside of a uniform? Because when you start that, when you're like 18 years old, yeah, and then you're about 28, you're like, I, I don't know what to do. Like, I don't know who I am. I, you know, like you lose that purpose, that mission. Your identity is um, probably completely. That. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, 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 what you've you, given you feel pretty unraveled. Yeah. 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 You feel pretty unraveled. And, um, so it, it, it started a process of where, you know, you go through, you ask these questions about like, what do I want to do? Who am I? And when anybody ever asked me about it, you know, now what I tell them, like, get prepared to say no a lot. Like, you're going to have like a long stretch of time where essentially you just figure out what you don't want. And then eventually you'll be able to start to dial that in. And it's long and it, it can be very frustrating. It can also be really exciting. Like you can, there's all kinds of, you know, rocks within ourselves that we never turn over for, for one reason or another. But at the end of the day, I realized real estate is, you know, where I wanted to be it was something that my dad was in and I'd always kind of had a fascination. And so I ended up deciding to get out and, you know, the best way to, to do that and land on my feet, you know, was have uncle Sam help. So I used the GI bill and I knew Florida was where I wanted to be, where Tampa specifically even was where I wanted to be during the end of my military career. There's a lot of, very high level brass at a base in this area. And I'd been down here multiple times to see my boss's boss's boss. And, you know, the area was just like teeming with potential. It still is. It's, it's crazy how much it's changed even since I've been here three, four years. So I ended up going to grad school at the university of Florida. Um, great experience. You know, I was the oldest dude in my class by like 10, 12 years, but I got to go back and kind of live the college life unofficially <laughs> with with a much square head on my shoulders uh, for the first time, really. Um, and I ended up linking up with a phenomenal, I, I, based on my previous experience, I realized that like multifamily was really what I, what I wanted to do, multifamily development. And that was the curriculum I really pursued during grad school. While I was there, in another mastermind that was very, it, it was more holistic kind of a, approach to the whole life, but there was a lot of real estate and entrepreneurial flavor in it as well. That's actually where I crossed paths with Mike Sogren for the first time, right when he was launching his program. And so we were, you know, very kindred spirits uh, in, in a lot of different ways. And we, we got along immediately. And I, I think I would have probably been one of his third or four students. And, uh, most of the time when I think about that, I'm like, well, I should be a lot farther along than I am right now if that was the case. But uh, I, I- Not a race. I, right, well, exactly, right? And I got that idea and you know, I was still in school. I was fairly focused on what I was doing, but I immediately saw the value in it. 
And, you know, I mean, for all of us, if we had a, a timepiece, I'd go back and probably drop out of school <laughs> to start doing that. <laughs> I know but, that feeling, man. Right. And so, but I went to work for this developer while I was doing that, you know, great group, awesome projects. But I also was able to launch my first STR during that time. And once I did that, and I saw the power of it. I mean, and my first SDR, I was making, it was a townhouse, a 3-3 townhouse here in, in Tampa. Um, and, you know, view a downtown, a rooftop, like it was pretty rare. And I got a really good deal on it. Like it was kind of before things really went nuts. And I was making as much off of that as my salary, like immediately. Wow. Um, and... And there's more pivots with that specific property later on, but very quickly. And like, I will be the first to admit it. I became a terrible employee. Like for the first time in my life, I, I just, it was a combination of that. When we went through COVID and like, you did, as a, as an officer in the military, you know, on the conventional world, your day was very structured. I, you know, I got kind of frustrating. I felt like I had permission to tie my shoes. Whereas, and you'd asked me if I'd ever done anything entrepreneurial, special operations can be super entrepreneurial to the point really? where it's terrifying. Yes. It's like, okay, here's your objective. Here's your people and your resources. Go figure it out. And you're like, huh. really? Like, you, sir, are you sure? Like, this is my first rodeo. Like, no, no, you got it. Go. You know, I mean, and so, I think that was really Very my first dose of of kind of like true professional autonomy. And once I got used to that, when I went back into a, you know, I mean, he was even a small company. It wasn't anything crazy, but just the, the, the lack of the ability to not run my own day anymore. And, you know, then we then COVID happened and people stopped going into the office for three or four months. And once I had a taste of that, it was really, really difficult to go back. And yeah. I just, my, my heart wasn't in it anymore. What and was so, your job? What, what was your, what, what was your role or position um, at the W2? What was the name of my actual position? Development manager, I think. So, I mean, it was awesome. And then like, I got a lot of experience, like even in the, you know, year and a half, two years I was there. I mean, I saw pretty much every part of the process, like design, construction, some of the budgeting, you know, when you're doing a project that large, um, I mean, my God, there's so much involved. Like there's six months or more typically, depending on the size of the project of like just design. And then there's another six months where you're doing things under the ground before you even start to see plumbing and electrical, you know, like in what we call going yeah. vertical. And so- you know, luckily while I was there, I still had the process to participate or I still had the opportunity to participate in four or five projects at kind of different life cycles. And again, like I, I really enjoyed the work uh, and the people I was around. It just, I started to struggle with the idea of start doing anything for anybody beyond you know, my own family's legacy, right? It really yep. didn't have anything to do with them and everything to do with me and and what I wanted and what I valued most. And when I also found like this, you know, I, I could replace my income per property like 
in like a 90 to 120 day window, this is crazy. I need to focus on this completely. And, you know, instead of announcing that and just leaving, like I should have, you know, I, I tried to do both unsuccessfully and, you know, I ended up getting fired and, you know, we're, we're good now, but like Anson, you want to talk about like having your identity fucked with that had never happened to me. I'd never been in that position. Mm. And that really wrecked me for a while. Um, it, you know, it took me kind of three or four months to, to get myself back together. What was the story that was playing internally around that? Well, just, you know, that I failed, mm-hmm. right? Like, and I didn't feel very forthright about the manner in which I left, you know, right? Like, I just kind of stopped doing what I should have been doing. And if I wanted to do something else, number one, I, you know, looking way back, I should have made a much stronger pitch for bringing this into the company that I was, I was with, you know, I made an effort, but not, I didn't really like take that. No, don't take no for an answer mentality. Right. And I think if I'd have done that, I probably, probably could have successfully integrated it into what we were doing. Um, But I just, yeah, I, I felt a weight of failure and it's, I mean, I did like it, it was a fuck up. I, I, I'd go back in time and I would do it differently. We can't. So I learned from it. And, you know, my biggest takeaway with that is just, look, you'd always be in integrity with yourself and however much pain that causes in the short term, it'll end up being a better outcome. Totally. It doesn't so, go away. No, <laughs> I mean, unless no. I've got to learn as well. You know, I've had yeah. to learn where it's like, you're going to pay the piper at some point. Right. Yeah. Right. And it's how, how do you want to pay? 100%. You know, and and then there's <laughs> there's some tolls that are more costly than others, right? And and so, yeah, that was just. And then I ended up going off on my own. It took me, you know, kind of four to six months to really formulate the vision for how we grew from you know one to twenty one properties in about two and a half to three years. Um, but once we started, we just kind of kept going and and I was fortunate in terms of where the market was and everything else, but, um, you know, attacked it, worked really hard. How, um, you know, you're in, you're in one of the most competitive markets and (laughs) (laughs) what's crazy though, is like your market, at least the, the, the part of your portfolio that's in and around, you know, like Disney. That's not a market where like a newbie co-host can just like step in and totally rock it. I mean, that's it's a very developed market. There's a lot of competition. When somebody looks at your houses, it's it's like they're stepping into Disney World. Like they're freaking cool. <laughs> they're pretty rad. And that that yeah. takes a while to de- not only develop that vision. But also to convince an owner, like, hey, this is the best thing for your investment. Walk us through like that piece of the journey, because, you know, I think that it it it's a skill set separate from just managing the darn property. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it, it it is. And, you know, I mean, it's funny that you say like. Yes, Kissimmee is a as a market, you know, you know, the Disney Kissimmee, Davenport, you know, kind of the same geographic area. I mean, it's always been saturated. Um, but what I found when I first started looking, 
is that it was saturated with just tremendous mediocrity and not from both a managerial and a, in a design standpoint. Like I found a few people, um, a few different operators who were just like absolutely murdering it compared to anyone else. Like when we first started looking that there were properties, one of our best townhouses, we picked it up for 356 K we spent 30 on it. And we're going into year three. This will be the first thing. This will be the first year that that thing hasn't done north of 100,000. I mean, it did 115, like 107 year one, 115 year two. And part of that broader story. So like when we went in there, we first did that. You know, my thought was part of the reason I picked the market in the first place is like I did some research even in 2008. I think like the only part of Disney that didn't lose a truckload of money was the park itself. And so it was kind of a litmus test of like, all right, well, even at its darkest, like people want a place to go where they can escape. Right. Which that's a whole nother conversation we can have about what Disney's done to <laughs> screw that up again. But you know, th that element was always there. Right. Right. And, but you know, the, the, in the pitch that I made to my owners, which has really not changed actually, and it will not change regardless of what market that we go to, you know, yes, short-term rentals have a much higher return, um, but to succeed and to make sure that you avoid worst case scenarios, your best defense is a really aggressive offense, right? And if you go hard right at the very front I, I don't even really like piecing it out. There are times where I think that works, but you can only make a first impression one time, right? Like, and when you establish that very first three to six months, like, you know, I think we all tend to see like that seems to kind of stick in the algorithm a little bit. Like if you have a slow start, it's hard to shake it off. Right. And, you know, and so that's why I said is like when things get difficult or the market gets more competitive, if we're only competing with the top 10 to 15% anyway, then it shouldn't affect us right. as much. And for my clients that purchase really on that first, it really any time within the first two years, that's really borne out, right? Like, and, and what's changed and why, you know, I will be the first to admit, like we're looking for other avenues is because the competition, I mean, I, I think we were kind of at the forefront. Like there's, I can't keep any secrets after I put a listing up, right? Like, right. and it's funny as I bring people in, if I take them on a tour, if I show you what number one looks like versus what number 18 looks like, they're not the same. Like right. we have continually <laughs> evolved. We've learned more and more cool stuff. Like, and you could yeah. see the arms race buried in, you know, it, it just in the nate structure of what these things look like. Yeah. And there are definitely more competitive operators here than there were before. Still a lot of mediocrity, you know, percentage wise, but that's become more competitive, no question. And when you combine that with like the purchase prices have gone through the roof. Oof, like my yeah. one of my very first clients, um he had a 200% cash on cash return in just over two years. He waited that long to avoid capital gains because he purchased for 395 which we were all sweating bullets at the time cash flowed you know did 2 years of of 
basically between 95K and 110K in terms of gross STR revenue and then sold it for 600 yep. in, in two years. And so that was wonderful. But if you're looking to enter the market for that same property at 600 with an interest rate that's probably times two or three, it's, the numbers are just far more difficult, right? Mm -hmm. Like it may still work for you depending on what you need, right? Like if you're just, okay, I'm okay with a single digit return. I just want to get some cash in a place where it's a hedge against inflation, right? Can still work but I can't underwrite a double digit return with my eyes closed. Like I could two and a half, three years ago. Right. And so that's kind of how it's evolved. And one of the things I've learned from being in such a saturated market is like, this is where you got to keep your eye out for, for more value. And especially where we're at now, higher interest rates, more competition. I think buying at a discount and not something strictly for cash flow, like, worked up front for me right now it's i don't think it's a good play you got to find some value right. add so you've got more than one exit strategy totally totally yeah it's i mean it's wild but it's interesting now too i know you're starting just for your own investments to look at some of these other markets and imagine mm -hmm. taking the skill set you've developed over the last few years and putting it into some of these other markets you and i have talked about <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah. Well, and you'll see like some of the very first iterations of it, like Mike did it in his hotel in Boston, Yeah, you know, like, and, and he believed in me and what I was doing, like he bought a house down in Orlando. Right. And so there was a lot of really good overlap and synergy and you can kind of see like what you do if you go ham with some really cool stuff. Yeah. It's market appropriate, right? It's not going to be identical. Like, you know, you, you don't, yeah. I mean, I guess everybody loves Iron Man, but I'm not sure I'd put him <laughs> in an urban, you know, apartment in Detroit. Yeah. Right. But, <laughs> you know, take your pick. Right. So right. maybe but you just put the him general on, concept maybe you of put that. Him on some skis up in Maine. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah. I don't know. I say like it's maybe an option. Right. Um, right. But I think that, you know, experiential element, I mean, what I'm seeing is just, this really isn't an industry anymore for amateurs. I like, I don't think, I mean, I, I, with, at the risk of sounding arrogant, you know, I don't know for anybody watching this, <laughs> like, and, and you're, you're new and you're thinking about getting into it or you're an investor looking for a co-host or you're looking for someone to give you education at this point, And there's plenty of gurus out there that are still doing it. If somebody says like, are you tired of working hard? go be an Airbnb host, run the other direction. Like thousand yeah, percent, it's worth it. But if, if you see somebody who's like pitching this as like passive income, I'm sorry, it's just not the reality. There was probably right. a time two, three years ago where that could work. You could throw up a halfway decent listing in the right market and still make a truckload of money. Mm -hmm. But between the industry evolution and, you know, I, it's a reality. I mean, I, my two cents. I think we're already in a recession. I, I, I stopped waiting for one like six months ago. <laughs> like I, it's already here as far as I can see. Look, looked around. We've been living in it. Yeah. Um, it's like, you know, yeah, I it's, it's the data bears it out. Right. And it's just yeah. a lot more work to pull in a booking now than it was two years ago. And totally. that pendulum will swing back, but we'll use this opportunity to just get as razor freaking sharp as we possibly can. 
curious, if you were to be starting from ground zero, stepping into one of your markets, what would you do as of today? I mean, that's a great question. And I'm I'm a little bit going through that to a certain degree myself, just as I kind of have to reinvent my approach a little bit. Um, I think two or three things. Number one, if I were looking for co-hosting, I mean, I'm going to look for owners with existing properties that have a low interest rate. Because one of the things that I, I think is, it's just, if the interest rate has gotten too high, it can get really challenging to deliver a good return. That being said, if you're clear on what the expectations are, because I, you know, you can have two identical million dollar beach homes next door. One owner may view it as, yes, this better be a cash cow. The other might be like, eh, like just offset my costs, right? Those are two completely different people to work for. Those are two completely different people to serve. And so as you go into co-hosting in any market, that's something that I'm really considering, right? To give a more concrete look in terms of product, I'm still always looking for houses, single family homes. It's it's contained. I know it. I think it's a good opportunity. But when you look at the regulatory environment um, and just, you know, I don't know. I There's plenty of people in the world that form their opinion on something based on one bad story. So, you know, they're like, it, it, oh, I heard X and such disaster story, which is like, you know, one out of a freak a million. But then in their mind, every Airbnb and short-term rentals uh you know, lodging for a serial killer, right? Like, the, you know, there's like, what do you want to do? Um, but I'm definitely looking more commercial, um, either an existing hotel or perhaps developing something that's just truly unique on the experiential front. Um, yeah. And that's kind of for, for multiple reasons. One, it's, I, I think the, the revenue in it's really good. Two, if you can get it in an area that is not as just, crazy heavily regulated it just makes life a truckload easier and you know what i'm seeing when i kind of look at the broader market like if you make something cool on the commercial side that cash flows one you can refi out of it and capture your money two the the i don't know borderline irresponsible institutional money that's being thrown at stuff like that is pretty significant and yeah. so you know, depending on the kind of capital that I'm working with, which is, you know, currently me, like as a CEO, that's one of my biggest lines of effort right now is like, okay, let's build up the war chest, right? So that I can shore up my current infrastructure and then jump into something going forward. And that might look like, again, me accessing lines of credit. It may end up like finding the right partners, which like I said, I'm kind of working on both. And so- but I, I'd really love to freaking build something that's like kind of one-on-one. Like that's really what I want to do. I don't know exactly how it looks yet, but I, you know, the right deal, I think you could still turn it over in about a year, right? Get cash flowing, right? refi as soon as it's stabilized. So that's, that's where I'm going. Again, it might be another single family house. It might be two of them on the same block. I, you know, I don't know. But looking for that, Unique 101, that's kind of where I want to go. What um what's your team look like now? Who kind of who works in the company and how's that sort of developed and 
what are some of the challenges you've had with just like building and managing a team? Yeah, it's uh God, where do I even start? <laughs> I um I will first say I think I've been in a lot of ways just extremely fortunate in that I've I haven't had a ton of turnover in my team, even from the very beginning. A lot of my on the ground folks. They've been with me for the better part of two years now. There was like some initial I kind of had to swap through. I've I've you know had to let a couple people go. That was it was hard to do, but there are just certain lines that you know like you can't cross and you got to keep moving. Um, but right now, so I guess you know, I guess if there's me at at the head of the organization, um, my brother Devin, uh, who is actually he just got out Marine Corps. So he was a CH-53 pilot, super stallion, um, which I'll, that, I'll give him. What does that mean? Because it the, sounds cool as shit. <laughs> okay. Imagine a small house with a rotor and that's nice. what that helicopter is. I mean, they're, they're humongous. Yeah. yeah. And as much, as much grief as I'll give him for being a Marine <laughs> officer, because I've, you know, I got lots of friends. Uh, it's, it's, it's all good. <laughs> Uh, I will say as far as helicopters to ride in, that was certainly one of the ones I preferred. <laughs> That's cool. That's so, real cool. Yeah. He, he did that for, you know, God, he about 10 years himself. So now he's out and he has really solidified himself in, in a, you know, COO or director of operations standpoint. Um, I have three virtual assistants, one full-time, two part-time. They report to him. Um, and then we have a part-time, gosh, I, I want to call him, I mean, a, I'll just call him a technician, very much a jack of all trades. Um, I, the guy can do everything from, I mean, he's like, I don't know, you know, a, a credit short of being an electrician, right. All the way over to carpentry and handiwork. We've got a great cleaning team that we've partnered with and really grown together with. Um, that also have assisted me with build outs and in project management. And, and so that that's kind of what the ops side of the business looks like. Um, I honestly, the, the main challenge has really just been like, for me, where I feel pressure, I always want to give people more compensation. Like I, I just, I, when I have good people, I really value the shit out of them. And I, you know, I don't know, for me, it's like, well, money, money talks, right? Like that's, that's an indicator of value. I do focus on creating a phenomenal culture, but I know at the end of the day, like everybody's got people to feed. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's probably like in terms of a challenge for me right now, um, it's just, as it's gotten more challenging within the market I have, um, I, it's, I was reviewing my numbers yesterday. I'll be thrilled to death if I match December portfolio revenue this year to last year. And I have four more properties this year than last year. And one of them is a 10 bedroom massive earner. So like it's been, it's been some uphill sledding for sure. Totally. Is, um, is that just because of how, like how many more rentals there get caked on there every year mixed with like just a down economy, you think? I think those are probably your two biggest drivers. Yeah. Um, you know, I also think for a while, I mean, we did live in a world where everybody had like two years of disposable income. There was no school. All the hotels were shut down. 
and like you know so it was like unlimited time and unlimited money and so like you know probably to a degree i mean like i think we all knew it was crazy but i don't think we understood maybe to the extent <laughs> of how crazy it was yeah yeah you know because like you know there was a while where lockdown stopped everything and then it just became gasoline like it made everything even more intense you know and right. so whereas like the family from chicago who decided to close school for two years came down and stayed for two weeks in you know late september early october or the first two weeks in december so you know i i i think it's a it's a it's a combination of all of those things like they've continued to build it you know and at bigger sizes too there's more larger homes than there used to be right the competitions increased um but at the end of the day you know, my general mindset and expectation, which, and this kind of goes into the other side of my current business. Like I now have a chief marketing officer. She was one of my first investors. We met at another uh, mastermind. It was a military investment mastermind, kind of something for, for service academy graduates. And she ended up buying our first like large property, first eight bedroom. Um, and a lot of the marketing experiments and things we've done have been really on that house. And it's continued to really just outperform almost anything else we've done. Really? And so, you know, like what we're actively doing, I mean, it takes time to take the results off of one property and spread it across 20. Like, obviously we we're constantly doing as much as we can, but we're trying to duplicate those lines of efforts. And in my mind, like, yes, there is a very real challenge of outside forces that I can't control. But at the end of the day, there's almost always going to be enough people coming to Kissimmee or Disney World that I can make the money to get the returns that I want my investors to have. It's just now, regardless of how great my property is, there's no guarantee I'm going to get in front of them first. And that's right. become the new game is, you know, trying to keep up month to month with whatever Airbnb decides is most important. Oh. And you know, getting through the wall and lack of information with Verbo with the ultimate goal of direct bookings. Yo, I'm keeping my eye on Google Homes because I think that's going to be a huge disruptor. So it's it's really a mesh of those things, right? Um, and so that's kind of what the company looks like. There's only like three or four of us on payroll. Um it, well, and I no, I say as and as as an extension of marketing, my wife does a ton of our social media. She's a freaking wizard. And so when it comes to and then she also like she's Venezuelan, she speaks fluent Spanish, and you know, it, it helps us access an entirely different demographic, which frequents right. that area, right? So um as far as like payroll, that's that's the crew. And then we've got a pretty consistent set of contractors that we work with on design, build out, cleaning, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. I could, the, 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 the crew that's worked together here in Kissimmee, there's a core of us that we've done about 20 projects together. So that's cool. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. What, uh, what advice would you give yourself right now to the Shane of even maybe just like three or four years ago? 
I mean, <laughs> curveball. <laughs> are, are we are we assuming that I like I can literally go back in time because it's going to be find every dollar you have and drive it into Kissimmee right now? Mm-hmm. Um, I and I think honestly, to a degree, that lesson can be applied going forward. In that, look, if an opportunity makes sense today, long term, more than likely, it's going to make even more sense then. In a more esoteric sense, I think the advice that I would give to myself is trust your instincts, sanity check them, don't run blindly into shit, but trust your gut, and two, never stop um, developing yourself, ever. Um, uh, You know, I've been a part of two or three, well, let's see, since I got out of the military, I think I've done four mastermind events one of them total dud waste of money that being said that was the one where i took almost no subsequent action on it it just ended up being the wrong fit right and so you know and just to be transparent that that of nine grand completely down the drain got nothing out of it ever Mm. the other three have more than paid for themselves typically in less than a year in no time. And I'm talking anywhere from 10 to 15 grand spent at a time. And again, when I look back where I've plateaued is when I've been out of that world too long. And it may be in a more, you know, focused professional capacity in the sense that like, you know, we're part of the the boardroom in, in, in Mike's mastermind, right? And that's, you know, there's always levels, right? And the people in that group are more like, yeah, they're basically hotel operators and they've got 20 plus units almost to walk in the door, right? Right. I should have joined that thing a year ago. Like, and I'd probably be twice the size I am now, right? But I got more lost in the weeds of the day-to-day, which like, if you're running the show, you got to keep your eyes up. Yes, the details matter, especially in hospitality. But you got to teach and then trust your people and and delegate and move forward. So, you know, like to bring that all back is just don't stop investing in yourself. Um, And that includes just like pure mindset stuff. Like the better your headspace is, the the better things are going to go. And I've seen that consistently over and over and over again. I get out of my good habits. Yeah. The wheels come off then I got to dig myself back out of them. So it's really just that consistency. It's, it's it's not easy, but it is simple. I love that. Some good lessons for our listeners right there. Well, for me too. I'm 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 <laughs> preaching as much to myself as I am to anybody else. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um take more of my well, own advice. <laughs> well, uh I mean we're we're coming towards the end here. Um end of this recording anyways. Um what what accomplishments are you most proud of, man? Most proud of? That's a great, it's a great question. Anson made it up. I just delivered it this time. <laughs> I mean, I think honestly, um, if I go back a little bit, I mean, getting into the Naval Academy, that was a big deal, man. That, that, that was hard. That was hard. To date, it was it was the most difficult thing I'd ever done. Um, 
working in some of the circles that I did in the military, doing some of the deployments that I did. Um, that's super high on the list. Um, I punched way above my weight when I got married. I'm very proud of that. And <laughs> I like that. I, uh, I think honestly, just starting this business, dude, like, and, and, and sticking with it. Like, I think if you, if almost, I think any entrepreneur like learns this, like you very quickly understand why so many businesses fail. Like it's fucking hard. <laughs> there are no bones about it. You really can love hard. every minute of the process or not. Right. But like, and you can be in a great headspace and still the, just the ability to just not quit is actually really seems to be super uncommon. And so, you know, I'm, I'm proud of that. I'm crazy excited for where we're going. And, you know, here's another little kind of mindset shift that I had, and I'll, I'll kind of combine this in a, it's, it's in, it's an accomplishment. And also, again, just a tout for keep developing yourself. I had to learn, cause you know, I, I, in, in, on a personal side for most of my adult life, like I was a one man show. Like I, you know, just the life I lived, it was really hard to maintain a relationship. I couldn't really be responsible for anybody anyway. Right. And when you, you know, transition from being a single guy to, you know, I've got an incredible stepdaughter and like into all of a sudden, like I have a, a family, right. I, I will be the first to admit like I would have never said it. Like it took me a while to even realize it, but like I was terrified of having people depend on me. Yeah. Like, and it's, that's not to take away or to downplay the abilities and independence of anybody like in your organization or in your family. Like, you know, most people are rock stars. Like they'll, they'll figure it, they'll figure it the fuck out if they have to, right. Like in, in our world, but when you start providing for somebody, you know, in a, in a salary sense or, or just as a, I don't know what the word I'm even looking for is, but just when you, when you provide for somebody, having people depend on you, rely on you, maybe rely, that's a better word. I, I feel more having people rely on you is actually an incredible gift. Like it okay. gives, it has given me a renewed sense of purpose that I don't think I just would have found worrying about just myself. Right. Right. And at the end of the day, as I grow this business, like, hell yes, I like nice shit. I want a G wagon, you know, like, or whatever. <laughs> like I want three houses, like that stuff motivates me. I love it. Like it's fun. But as much of that, it is equally about, yeah, but how much can I spread of that around? And like, how much more can I enrich the lives of people who are impacted by my company, be that employees, be that investors, you know, contractors, anybody who I, who I work with. And to just have had some small part in the economic engine that I, I think is such a critical part of this, like awesome country we live in. I'm super proud of that. Like, that's cool to Love be, a, to be a part of like, you know, what makes the wheels turn, you know, it helps people build a life here. That is awesome. 
itself. Anson, did you say something, buddy? I've been on mute. Yes, you are on mute. <laughs> Sorry, we can edit this out. <laughs> this whole slice here. Oh, you're good. <laughs> we miss you, Anson. <laughs> test, test. Maybe. All right, can you hear me? Yeah. Now nah, we got you. It makes, uh, I apologize, it makes more sense now. At a few different moments, I started to ask questions. And I was like, all right, go on, Shane. <laughs> <laughs> well, pop uh, back if you want to drop something in, not if you, if you recall it, like, for sure. Sorry, man, that sucks. No, 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 no worries. No, that was, I, I loved it. It was good shit. Yeah, I I did too. I did too. Well, Shane, the, the last question for you is, how can people find you, get in touch with you, find your listings, or if they want, you to manage for them. Yeah, I will leave my email address with you. Um, we have an Instagram account at Vacation Alchemy. Uh, I am not the dude who watches that all the time, but you will 1000% get to me. Um, I can definitely leave my email address um, in our we'll in direct booking notes. website. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, direct booking website. I get some folks who reach out to me on that as well. Awesome. Um, so yeah, any of those, any of those mediums and like at the end of the day, if the numbers work, like I'll, I'll take the system anywhere. Don't care. You know, Love like, it. yeah, like I know Florida, but there's lots of other great markets out there that I know that work that I would love to expand to. And so, you know, like I said, if it's, if the reward is there for everybody, like we'll take the system and the team and, and we'll go where we need to, to make it happen. Awesome. Well, Shane, thank you so much for joining us today, my friend. Absolutely, brother. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. All right, everyone. Take care. Have a good one, guys.